قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ Say, have you considered, meaning say to those people who deny, that have you considered, in kana, if it was, meaning if the Qur'an really was, مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ from Allah, وَكَفَرْتُمْ But you're denying it. وَكَفَرْتُمْ بِهِ وَكَفَرْتُمْ And you are denying بِهِ with it, as in you are rejecting it. وَشَهِدَ And he has testified, who? شَاهِدٌ A witness, meaning he has testified to the truthfulness of the Qur'an. Who has testified to the truthfulness of the Qur'an? A witness مِن بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ From the children of Israel. Who are the Bani Israel? The Yahud. Right? And why are they mentioned over here? Because the surah is Makki, correct? Bani Israel are mentioned because the Makkans, the people of Makkah, the Arabs, they looked up to the Bani Israel. Because the Bani Israel were people of the book. They had the scripture. They were considered as the knowledgeable people. And the Makkans, the Arabs, who were they? Ummi, unlettered. They didn't have any divine scripture. So, Bani Israel is mentioned, right? That, what if, or how about, that a witness from the Bani Israel testifies ala mithlihi, ala upon mithlihi, it. The word mithlihi, it is said that the word mithl is za'id over here. And in the Quran this is, or rather in the Arabic language, is something that's quite common. Right? That there are words which are added to a sentence. It is za'id, it's extra, meaning you're not to take that literally. It is just adding emphasis. Right? So, ala mithlihi, meaning alayhi. He testifies to the truthfulness of mithlihi as into the Qur'an. Or, we can take mithlihi over here also in the literal sense, and then it would refer to mithlihi, its equivalent as in the previous scripture. He already believes in a scripture. And what is that scripture? The Torah. In other words, he's knowledgeable. A knowledgeable person from the Bani Israel believes in the Qur'an. فَآمَنَ So he believes وَاسْتَكْبَرْتُمْ But you are sitting arrogantly. You are denying arrogantly. What are you doing? Aren't you making a mistake? So a scenario is presented over here that think about it. You say the Qur'an is not true. Well, here are all the proofs for the truthfulness of the Qur'an. Amongst them is, think about it, that you are here denying the Qur'an But what if a person from the Bani Israel believes in the Qur'an? If he believes in the Qur'an, then isn't his belief a proof of the truthfulness of the Qur'an? Because this man is knowledgeable of what divine scriptures are like. Now, this ayah is taken as a prediction. Alright? Because it's a Makki surah. So it's talking about the conversion of Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhu, who was a Jewish rabbi, lived in Medina, who accepted Islam when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina. But besides Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu anhu, there were so many other people from the Ahlul Kitab who believed in the Prophet ﷺ. Amongst them, we see Waraqab bin Nawfal, right at the beginning. He was a Christian man. Then we see An-Najashi, 
of Abyssinia. When the Muslims migrated to him, they recited the Qur'an to him. He accepted Islam. Najashi accepted Islam. Which is why when he passed away, the Prophet ﷺ prayed his janazah in abstentia. Right? Then we see even Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu. Correct? So many examples of people of the book recognizing the truthfulness of the Qur'an and accepting it. فَآمَنَ وَاسْتَقْبَرْتُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ Indeed, Allah does not guide the wrongdoing people. Meaning you're committing zulm through your arrogance. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And those who disbelieve say, لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا About those who believe. لِلَّذِينَ Lam over here, for as in about, concerning. So they say about the believers that لَوْ كَانَ If it was, meaning if Islam was خَيْرًا Good, if it was really something good, مَا not سَبَقُونَ They would have preceded us. Who? الَّذِينَ amanu, The Muslims. They would not have accepted Islam before us. مَا سَبَقُونَ إِلَيْهِ They would not have preceded us in accepting Islam. Rather, we would have been the first ones to accept it. So in other words, they're judging Islam by the fact that they did not accept it. So arrogant. You know, for example, a person thinks, well, you know what? This car is good because I drive it. Right? And since I didn't buy that car, it's garbage. It's useless. As if things are good if I do them, if I accept them, if I have them. And if I don't accept it, I don't do it, it's not good. And it sounds very arrogant, but really think about it. How many times is it that we look down at choices that other people make? How could you wear that dress? How could you wear those shoes? Right? You should just imitate me because I am the perfection of whatever. You know, I am the best, the best of the best. My choice is the best. My decisions are the best. So the mushrikeen of Makkah, they said, if Islam was really good, these Muslims, they would not have accepted it before us. Which Muslims were they talking about? The people who accepted Islam first. And who were they? Majority of them were who? They were poor. And this is true. You see, the Roman king, when the Prophet ﷺ sent a letter to him, He asked Abu Sufyan that what kind of people have accepted his message? And Abu Sufyan said, it's the weak amongst us. And then that king, he responded later on that this is exactly how prophets are. That the first people who accept them are the weak of the society. Why is that so? Because the weak of the society, they're not fettered by the chains of worldly glory, wealth, You know, their hearts are not attached to the dunya to the extent that it will prevent them from accepting Islam. Because they don't have any money. right? They don't have power. They don't have fame. They don't have those friends because of whom they're not confident enough to accept Islam. No. They have nothing to lose. وَإِذْ لَمْ يَحْتَدُوا بِهِ وَإِذْ and since. إِذْ over here gives the meaning of because. That since لَمْ يَحْتَدُوا بِهِ They have not been in receipt of guidance. They have not taken guidance from the Qur'an. They have not followed its guidance. فَسَيَقُولُونَ They will say, هَذَا إِفْكُنْ قَدِيمٌ This is an ancient lie. Meaning a lie that was invented by the ancients. And Muhammad ﷺ has revived this lie. 
Why will they accuse the Qur'an of being a lie? What's the reason? إِذْ لَمْ يَهْتَدُوا بِهِ Because they have not accepted it. Because for them, things are good if they do them. And if they don't do it, then it's not good. وَمِنْ قَبْلِهِ And from before it. Meaning before the Qur'an. Allah says, was كِتَابُ Musa, The book of Musa السلام, And what was that book? The Torah. Which was imaman, a guide, وَرَحْمَةً And a mercy for who? For those who followed it. What is imam? A leader. Someone who's to be followed. So the book of Musa السلام, was like a leader, a guide. What was to be followed. And those who followed it, then that book became rahma for them, a mercy for them. وَهَذَا كِتَابٌ Allah says, and this book, meaning this Qur'an, is musaddiqun. It is confirming. Meaning it is a book that confirms the book of Musa. It confirms the previous scriptures. It's not something new. لِسَانًا عَرَبِيًّا as Arabic language, meaning it is in the Arabic language. Why? لِيُنذِرَ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا So that it may warn those who have done zulm. What zulm? Of shirk. It's in their language so that they can understand it. وَبُشْرَ muhsinin, And also it brings good news to who? To those people who do ihsan. So what is mentioned in this ayah? That just as Allah revealed the Torah before, as a guide, as a mercy for people. Now, Allah has revealed the Qur'an. And those who follow it, then it will be a source of mercy for them. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا Indeed, those people who say, رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ Our Lord is Allah. ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا Then, they have istiqama. And what is istiqama? Firstly, that they correct themselves. They become upright. Surat al-Mustaqim is what? The straight path, the correct path. So thumma staqamu, they correct themselves, they fix themselves. According to what? According to what Allah wants them to do. Istiqama is what? To correct oneself. Earlier we learned that there are some who listen to the Qur'an, but then they carry on as if they never heard. Because nothing changes. Here, istiqamu, what does it mean? They brought about the right change in them. They corrected themselves according to Allah's directives. Istiqamu. And then secondly, the word istiqama also means to become firm, steadfast, right? Meaning they remained firm upon their belief that Rabbun Allah. They don't give it up. They don't leave it. Yes, iman increases and decreases. This is something natural. But istiqamu. They become firm. You see, when we start something, when we do something, yes, it is difficult. For instance, you begin your fast. right? There comes a point where you think, that's it, I'm done. right? But istiqamu is what? Keep fasting. Hold on. Be patient. And the one who tries to be patient, then Allah gives him patience. Isn't that? The Prophet ﷺ said that. That whoever tries to be patient... يُصَبِّرْهُ Allah. Allah gives him sabr. Allah makes him sabr. So ثُمَّ استقاموا, They try their best to remain firm, so Allah also grants them stability and firmness. فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ So there is no fear on them. وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ And they shall not grieve. Very similar to what we learned in Surah Fussilat. That إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ استقاموا, تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا 
Right? Here Allah says, لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ What is fear? What is خوف? When you're afraid of something that's going to harm you in the future. You're worried about your future, anxious about the future. What is حُزْن? Grief. You're sad about what happened in the past. Now, when is it that we have fear and grief? When there's hardships. Right? When there's difficulty, you worry about what's going to happen the next day. Right? And every hardship reminds you of what you've suffered before. Doesn't it? Allah says that those who believe and have istiqama, لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون. Does this mean that they will have no hardships, no problems in life? Life will be a breeze for them? It will be so easy for them? Is that what the ayah means? No. Just as we learned earlier, that you know, forgiveness, when it comes to forgiving someone, right? then you have to make a conscious decision where? In your heart. It's a matter of the heart. Forgiveness is how you view the oppression someone's been doing to you. You're not considering yourself a victim anymore. You rise above the situation and you choose to let go. Likewise, khawf and huzn is, you know, fear and grief is when a person is viewing himself as a victim. لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Doesn't mean that they will not have any hardships. No, they will have hardships. But they will rise above them because of iman. Because iman, istiqama, brings quwa. It brings strength, inner strength, to deal with life's difficulties. You know, a situation that would make someone terrified. This person, because of his iman and istiqama, he doesn't have that fear. Does it mean that he's not in a difficult situation? He's in a very difficult situation. But that khawf, Allah has taken away from his heart because of his tawakkul on Allah. Just like when the Prophet ﷺ was in the cave and the mushrikeen were right outside, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, he didn't have any fear. لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ Those are the companions of Jannah. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا Abiding therein eternally. جَزَاءً As recompense. بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Because of what they used to do. So if we want to be free from fear and grief, what do we need to do? Iman and istiqama. Have faith in Allah. Do your best. Have faith in Allah and do your best. Doing your best, that is istiqamah. Not giving up. Holding on. That is istiqamah. And if we have iman and istiqamah, only then can our lives be free of fear and grief. Istiqamah, meaning we become firm upon the deen. Committed. Dedicated. With firm resolve. That no matter what challenges come in the way, we don't give up. And it starts with small things. The Prophet ﷺ, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes deeds which are small but consistent. Meaning consistency is key. Consistency is key. Istiqama is the key. But generally what do we do? We start something, we do it a lot, then we leave it. We forget it. Then we do it, then we leave it. Then we do it, then we leave it. Really we need to look back at our lives and reflect on the past one year, past two years. What good things did I start and then I just stopped? just gave up on it. Istiqama. Because when you have istiqama, then you make those actions as a habit. They become a part of your life.
And when they become a part of your life, it's a big life adjustment. Like for example, coming to the weekend class. Right? I don't know about you, but for me, it's been a, a life-changing experience. Because honestly, all my life, I've been five days working, two days, relax. Right? Five days, whatever it is, school, whatever. And then two days, Saturday, Sunday, you spend the whole day doing laundry. Or you spend the whole day just, you know, running errands. But when Qur'an class is on a Saturday and a Sunday, that means laundry has to be managed throughout the week. Right? And everything has to be done throughout the week with everything else that's going on. And alhamdulillah, it's been working. Alhamdulillah. Right? So it changes your life. It's life altering. So this is istiqamah that you keep doing what you're doing and you don't give up. And we learned that after iman, the most important matter is indeed istiqamah. A person came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, that, tell me something about Islam which I don't need to ask anyone about after you. And he said, say, I believe in Allah and then become firm. Become firm. And the man said, that what should I guard myself against? And the Prophet ﷺ pointed towards the tongue. Guard your tongue. Keep it in its cage. In another hadith we learn, istaqim wal tuhsin khuluquk. That have istiqama, be steadfast, and you must beautify your character. Because you see, character, when you want something to become a part of your character, that also requires istiqama. For example, if you're very, very polite and kind and nice in your words one day, and the next day you're like the meanest woman ever. Right? And then the third day you go back to being polite and nice and kind. Is that istiqama? Is that good character? No. Would you say that yes, being nice and kind is part of my character? No. Istiqama is about changing your life the way Allah wants you to. That is what istiqama is. It's about developing those habits that Allah wants you to. Doing those things consistently. It's part of your life that Allah wants you to. That is istiqamah. It's not that once a month we do something good and then for the rest of the month we forget about Allah. No. Istiqamah is what? Is bringing a change in your life. The Prophet ﷺ said, لَا يَسْتَقِيمُ إِمَانُ عَبْدٍ حَتَّى يَسْتَقِيمَ قَلْبُهُ The iman of a person cannot have istiqamah, meaning it cannot be upright, until the heart is correct. Until the heart has istiqamah. And the heart cannot be upright until the tongue is upright. So start, begin the change from where? Your words. Begin the change with your words. Then after this, after one's duty to Allah is one's duty to who? To one's parents. Amongst the creation, amongst the people that we live with, our duty to parents. So that is what the next ayah talks about. Allah says, وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَأَنْدْ وَصَّيْنَا We have enjoined. الْإِنسَانَ The human being. بِوَالِدَيْهِ With both his parents. إِحْسَانًا Good treatment. Allah says, we have ordered, we have given wasiya to the human being that he must treat both his parents with ihsan. Why? حَمَلَتْهُ she carried him. Who carried him? Ummuhu, his mother. Where? In her womb. How? Kurhan. 
with hardship. وَوَضَعَتْهُ And she delivered him. وَضَعَ To put down, to deliver. She delivered him kurhan with hardship. This is enough reason to be good to one's parents. Because the mother carried him in her womb. You know, it's amazing. Pregnancy is a burden that a woman does not share with anybody else. Because it's internal, it's inside. She's not carrying the baby in a box in her hand. Right? In a bag in her hand. For its gestation, for its growth and development. No. The womb is where? Inside of her. Right? It's not that the baby is baking in the oven. No. It's not external. Where is it? It's in her. She can't... Nobody can say, let me take this load off of you. No way. She's got to carry it alone from the beginning to the end. And when she carries it, this is what? Kurh. Kurh from the root letters kaf, raha, kurh and karh. Both are used for mashaqqa, for hardship. But the word karh with the fatha, karh, is generally used for that hardship which is due to some external burden that a person is made to carry. External burden. Alright? And kurh is ma yanaluhu min dhatihi. Meaning hardship caused by what is within. So there's no separation from it. It's just with you. You can't leave it. You can't say, I need a break. You know when you're carrying a bag, you say, I need to put it down, I need a five minute break. Kurh is what? You can't put it down. You don't get a break. That hardship is there within you. It's inside of you. And also remember that the word kurh is used for dislike or aversion towards something. However, it is correct to say, إِنِّي أُرِيدُهُ وَأَكْرَهُهُ I want it, but I also dislike it. It's a love-hate. This is what kurh is. You like something, but there's also something about it that you don't like. And that's exactly how pregnancy is. That a woman, she loves it, but at the same time the hardship and the pain and the challenges and the difficulties of it, they're also there. So, حَمَلَتُهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْهًا وَوَضَعَتُهُ Kurha and she delivers him with hardship also. Same thing, kurh. The delivery is also painful, hard, that no one else shares in that pain. No one can relieve her of that pain. No one can say, let, let me take a part of it. No. kurha. And with the difficulty, there is also that love. Wahamluhu. And carrying him. And Hamul over here is referring to the pregnancy, right? That entire period, وَفِصَالُهُ And then weaning him, meaning the baby. Fisal, from the root letters, فَصَاد لَام Fasl. Fasl is separation. And Fisal is when a child is weaned off breast milk. Right? And this naturally creates Fasl, a distance, a gap between the mother and the child. Right? Naturally it does. So, fisaluhu, so firstly the hamal and then the fisal. Because once she conceives the baby, and the baby is in her, and then once she delivers the baby after a couple of months, it's not over. One period is over, but another stage has begun. Right? And how long is this entire duration? Allah says, thalathuna shahra, 30 months. Thalathun, 30. Shahra months. How? How is it 30 months? How many years is 30 months? Hmm? 
two years and six months. Two years would be 24 months, right? One year has how many months? 12, so 12 times 2, 24. And then six more months makes that? Makes that? 30. So two years and six months. How is it two years and six months? Two years for nursing, all right? And six months is the minimum duration of pregnancy. Minimum. Somewhere between six and nine. Meaning if a child were to be born before six months, impossible for a child to. Very, very slim chances that the child would remain alive. So, but six is minimum, right? So uh, roughly 30 months for this whole period when the mother is carrying the baby and then after that nursing the baby. This is why Allah says, وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا We have ordered the human being to do ihsan towards his parents. Why? Because parents make immense sacrifices for their children, especially the mother. A mother takes an immense risk when she is giving birth. Giving birth is like risking one's life and well-being. Right? Deciding to have a child or having a child is what? Risking one's life, putting one's life in danger, and also losing one's well-being for quite some time. It happens. And if you think about it, no friend, no lover, no husband, no girlfriend, no boyfriend will make the sacrifices that a mother makes for her child. Did you hear me? Or were you distracted? No one will sacrifice for you the way your mother has sacrificed for you. Because what happens is when we grow up, when we fall in love, we think, oh, this person loves me so much. No one could love me more than him. Right? But the fact is that your mother really loves you more than him. Because there will be times when he will refuse to get up and get you a glass of water. He will refuse to do something simple for you. But the mother, she did it for you. She sacrificed her sleep. She sacrificed her body. Sacrificed her body. Her body changed forever when she gave birth. Forever. She sacrificed her night sleep. She sacrificed her comfort. She lost her social life because of her children. She put her career, her education on hold because of her children. Whatever money she had. I mean, it's mentally, financially, physically, emotionally. You know, it takes a toll. It, it takes so much from a woman to give birth. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us over here. Recognize what your parents have done for you, especially the mother. And she didn't do this just for a day or two, a month or two. Have you ever had to take care of someone? Like maybe your grandparents come and stay with you and then you have to look after them for maybe a week? Maybe two weeks? And that means you have to get up and heat their food and you have to do their laundry and you have to iron their clothes. Right? And you have to get up again and again to do something. Is it physically exhausting? Is it? I think it's mentally draining. It's emotionally disturbing. When you're on call 24-7. On call. You cannot have a conversation 
without interruption. You cannot have a train of thought without interruption. You're doing something, there is interruption. It really takes a toll. So Allah is making us see over here the sacrifices of our parents. Because the mother especially, she didn't do all of this just for a day or two, a month or two. What is mentioned? 30 months. Minimum 30 months. And we know that once a child is weaned, it's not over. Right? Then a different set of challenges and a different set of hardships come for parents. It's a lifetime commitment. You know, for example, if you have little cousins, right? Or maybe your nephew or your niece, and you love spending time with them. Right? You fight with other people that, can I carry the baby? Can I carry the baby? What happens? You're carrying the baby. As soon as the baby dirties his diaper, what do you do? Hand over to the mom. Not my job. You can have the fun, right? But the work, the difficult part is for who? For the parents. Can the mother do this? Oh, my baby, so cute. Dirty diaper. I'm not changing you. Can she do that? She doesn't have a choice. You can hang out with somebody and have so much fun and then say, okay, bye. Can the mother say that to her children? Bye. No way. At no time can she say, bye. See you next week. No way. This isn't really a reflection or anything, but it's really easy to see like why we should be grateful and good to our mothers and whatnot. But like, I mean, this is going to sound very ungrateful, but what about our fathers? Like, you know, yeah. how do we... Yeah, I mean, see the ayah begins with what? Walidayhi, both parents, right? But especially the mother's sacrifices are mentioned. Because the mother, she goes through, you know, the physical sacrifice that she goes through, the father doesn't go through. This doesn't mean that the father doesn't do anything and he doesn't deserve ihsan. He does deserve ihsan, of course. And I think every woman knows that how her journey of pregnancy, while it's difficult for her, it's somehow equally difficult for her husband too. Right? I mean, there's a big life adjustment for him also. This is why ihsan towards both. We learned that once a person came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, who amongst the people is most deserving of my good treatment? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ummuka, summa ummuka, summa ummuka, summa abuka, summa adnaka, adnaka. Your mother, your mother, your mother, your father, and then those who are close to you, and then those who are close to you. So it always begins with who? The mother. Meaning from both parents, the haq, the right of the mother is certainly greater. Yes. Words, 75% share goes to your mom and 25% to your dad. So subhanAllah, so logically, yeah, yeah, we should listen to your dad's right? But you know, the mom, see, they, they, eventually it comes first. Of course. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ also said that a son cannot repay what he owes to his father unless he buys him and emancipates him if he finds him in slavery. You get it? Meaning, a person can never repay his father for his father's ihsan on him. Unless he finds his father as a slave somewhere, and then he pays for his freedom and sets him free. Yes. I just wanted to add that mother is not sacrificing at that time when she's having her own child. She's sacrificing till that child is having her own child. I'm a grandmother of three. No, no, not till. Yeah. It continues. Yeah, continues. So when my daughter's children are sick, 
she is upset she calls me i am upset then i just gave her the you know the, the uh, few tips and then i am satisfied okay now my daughter will be satisfied so it's a lifetime process till death um this children's class that i started on fridays i was talking to a lady about it and uh when i was telling her she had tears in her eyes because her grandchildren don't live in toronto and she was wishing that somehow they could be here in order to learn the quran i was thinking she's a grandmother and she's crying for her grandchildren just like a mother would cry for her children assalamu alaikum you know how sometimes uh, kids maybe teenager they talk about their mother bad maybe they think their mother she is not their friend but think twice because your mother she is everything for you like sister tamia she said and what other sisters also what they said so you see when others they get jealous in you your mother never get jealous in you when you are successful your mother she is so happy but others they become jealous in you so no matter even your sister she become jealous in you but your mother not yes even a spouse can right best friends can but mothers will always be proud of their children's accomplishments assalamu alaikum i was just uh, going to say that the reason why the mom is mentioned i think is because every single step of my life i have two children alhamdulillah i have to think of two bodies before i even take one step to the washroom You know what I mean? Just going to the Tim Hortons is so easy for my husband. Any time in the day, he can just get up and leave. And when I have to leave, I have to think about: Are we? Am I taking them, or am, do I have to ask him to keep them? Like there is nothing in your life you can do without thinking about those children. Like yeah, it's a huge it's... responsibility for the rest of your life. Like I, one day I'm thinking, how come he's sleeping when the diaper is dirty, and I'm still thinking about it? How can you know what I mean? So even the parents like the father doesn't have that kind of he has different responsibilities but other needs the mom has already taken on herself that this is only my responsibility whether they help her or they don't yeah and even if somebody is looking after the children for her her mind is there right it's there i mean i've seen this with my mother till today you know i'm living in a different country whatever is going on in my life when i talk to her she asks me about basic things like my rest and my food and how you know a trip or the kids as if she's right there it's her job to make sure that i'm eating and i'm looking after myself you know you can never separate yourself from your children they're always on your mind I'm just going to share something funny I read few uh, few weeks ago on Facebook was that a father a husband asked few people a question like when will my wife go back to normal emotionally the answer was never and then uh, the other question was when should she take epidural and the answer was the minute she finds out she's pregnant so there is so many other fun things it was it's it is truly like yeah. different I mean it really makes you see that it's not easy right So this is why وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْهًا وَوَضَعَتْهُ كُرْهًا وَحَمْلُهُ وَفِصَالُهُ ثَلَاثُونَ الشَّهْرًا حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ إِذَا بَلَغَ أَشُدَّهُ When he reaches, meaning when a person, when the child reaches his أَشُدْ What is أَشُدْ? Maturity. The age of full strength, prime in terms of physical strength, skill, ability, reasoning, When he reaches that age, وَبَلَغَ And in particular he reaches أَرْبَعِينَ سَنَةً 40 years 
And this is the maximum of Ashud age. Ashud, it is said, is between 30 and 40. So when he reaches Ashud, قَالَ He says, رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي O my Lord, أَوْزِعْنِي Enable me. From the root letters, وَزَعْنِي And وَزَعْ is to restrain someone from doing something. The word يُزَعُون is used, we learned earlier. What it means is izar is to keep soldiers in their positions. To keep an army together. Meaning not allowing them to launch an attack. Alright? Keeping them in their positions. This is waza'a. So, Rabbi awzirni, O my Lord, keep me in my place. Keep me in my place. And this means tawfiq, as in give me the ability, give me the tawfiq, an ashkura, that I show gratitude for ni'mataka, for your blessing. Which blessing? Allati an'amta alayya, which you have bestowed upon me. Wa'ala walidayya, and also upon my parents. Give me the ability to thank you for all that you have bestowed on me and also on my parents. Why does he remember the blessings that Allah has bestowed on his parents? Because at this stage of life, he is reaping the fruits of his parents' hard work and effort. Whatever skill we have, whatever you know we accomplish in our lives, whatever position we get to, You know, our parents have played a major role in that. A major role. Even if they didn't pay for our tuition. The fact that they instilled in us the importance or the love of education in one way or another. So at this age, a person sees that whatever he is, whatever he's accomplished in life, is a result of whose hard work all these years. His parents. And this is so true. As you get older, you you think about what your parents did and how it's benefited you. وَأَنْ أَعْمَلَ صَالِحًا Meaning also, inspire me, give me the tawfiq, awzirni, that I do righteous deeds. What kind of righteous deeds? تَرْضَاهُ That you will be pleased with, O Allah. Because ultimately that is what matters. وَأَصْلِحْ لِي فِي ذُرِّيَّتِي وَأَصْلِحْ and do إِصْلَاحْ Correct, reform. Leave for me, fiduriyati in my children. Fix my kids for me, because they are beyond me. Aslihli fiduriyati. Do their islah. Make them righteous. Inni tubtu ilayka. Indeed, I repent to you. Wa inni min al muslimin. And indeed, I am of those who surrender to you. What do we see over here? Dua, this beautiful dua, which we should all make regularly. It begins with shukr. Rabbi awzirni an ashkura ni'mataka allati an'amta alayya. Right? It begins with shukr, with acknowledgement of Allah's favors. On oneself and also on one's parents. And it ends with what? With tawbah. With seeking forgiveness. You see, another thing about the ni'mah on parents. Any blessing that your parents enjoy, remember you also enjoy it. You also enjoy it, directly or indirectly. If they have been given the nirmah of education, right? you have benefited from that. If they have been given the nirmah of iman, you have benefited from that. If they have been given the nirmah of citizenship of a certain country, you have benefited from that. Isn't it? If they have the nirmah of wealth, you have benefited from that. 
whatever parents enjoy, right? Whatever blessings parents get, who is it that really enjoys them? It's the children. I mean, the father is working, right? Making money, providing a comfortable house and a car and paying for fees and, and whatnot. For who? For his children. He's making thousands of dollars, but all that money is disappearing where? Being spent on who? On children. Isn't it? He doesn't even get to enjoy himself what he makes. Isn't it? I mean, it's amazing how just yesterday I have to share this with you. My husband really likes a certain type of ice cream, okay? So usually there is a small tub of that ice cream hiding somewhere in the freezer. So it was hot outside. We got home. My daughter was, she needed to cool down. So I gave her a popsicle. She finished that. I was not in the kitchen. When I came back, I see that ice cream tub is out. She's found it. And she's devouring it. Okay? And the poor guy had saved it for his night snack, right? After iftar. And when he looked for it, he found barely a scoop in there. Right? It's amazing. You keep something for yourself, you can't even enjoy it because your children get to it before you can. How often is it that a mother, she's got jewelry and she'll happily put it on her daughter. She'll buy clothes, but she'll happily get them stitched for her daughter. Isn't it? It happens all the time. She'll buy a hijab, but she'll happily give it to her daughter. She'll buy a bag, but she'll happily give it to her daughter. So many times we see this in our lives. So when we want to show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessings that He's given us, we must also show gratitude for the blessings that He's given to our parents. Because we have enjoyed them. We have benefited from them.